Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Head Coach U. I am Brian Fisher, joined as always by former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. And Bronco, we got an, another special guest, uh, one of your former players, uh, a two-time Super Bowl champion, nine-year NFL vet, uh, Kyle Vinoy. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the energy and time and effort put into the podcast from you two, and I'm, I hope I can match it or bring it up a notch. <laughs> well, we, we would definitely love it if you br- brought it up a notch, and, and, and especially so. But we, we have your former head coach here in, in, in Bronco. Do you have any good Bronco stories, uh, especially that are safe, safe for airing here? Have you ever been at this point? Like, I wasn't expecting that as the question. Um, I'll, 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 I'll say a PG one, right? <laughs> Cause there's so many PG. Oh, no. <laughs> the, um, I'll do the first, I have a lot. Uh, the one that comes to mind would be the time he came to, uh, like the official visit or the home visit type of deal. He actually came to a basketball game, um, uh, with a couple other coaches and I, I believe I got kicked out of the game. <laughs> I got two technicals uh, for I'm competitive, and I think it was like it was just a heated moment in the game, and I thought it was a bad call, and I got a technical <laughs> look over, and all the coaches <laughs> were just kind of looking at me. And I'm like, well, they know what they're getting, right? And that was like my first exchange in person with them is getting kicked out of a basketball game. So what, one of the cool things about that is what better selection criteria than transparency, right? And yeah. so so I, it was what a, what a great gift. And I, I remember looking at the coaches and, and they looked at me like, okay, does that change anything? And, <laughs> and they were looking at me like, oh, like, no, it doesn't change anything. And so uh, one of Kyle's greatest strengths even back then, right? And and I, man, I think the very best players and the best leaders, there is that element to them. And and then all that happens with maturity is how it's channeled, right? And then the appropriateness of when it's unleashed, right? And then, and so usually the more youthful people that have that, right? It's a little harder to kind of dial in when and how to use it, but it's always there. And then the nine-year version, nine-year NFL vet, Super Bowl father husband version of Kyle, right? Now there's, I'm sure, right? There's a a more specific and precise window, an appropriate window of when that comes out. And right, the mastery over it kind of builds over time. Doesn't mean it's ever perfected, but then you can kind of apply it like almost like more accurately um, within context. You know, you you hit it there very well because I always... Let, the one thing I do, I guess, kind of regret on in college or uh, was being able to voice um, how I felt a little bit more as a captain or I, I never was elected captain, but a lot of people viewed me as one. Um, that's the one thing I wish I would have done a little bit better. But as what you uh, alluded to, it's a growing process. And yeah. now I'm able to do do it in my NFL career is, you know, step up and say uh, when something is wrong or say when something is right, being able to speak up and speak my mind to a group of young men that are my age and younger um, to what I think and what we can do to take it to the next level and every aspect on the field and off the field. So 
Um, I appreciate that. It's it's taken a long time. So it's a it's a life's work, and and I, I've got to share one story. And I, Kyle, I don't I don't even know if you'll remember this moment. Um, so, some moments, you know, are kind of shared between people, and other moments are kind of viewed differently in terms of impact. Um, and this moment, man, did I make a lot of mistakes as a head coach and, and still do. Right. And you see him better, like when you look back. Um, but there was a time where at BYU, and I don't even remember what year it was or what part of your career it was, but I became so frustrated with a given team and we were winning a lot. Right. And we were playing really good defense and stuff, but I was really bugged one day. I thought our team was becoming uh, individualized and entitled. And I was like, no, that I need something symbolic to fix that. And so I had this idea that we were going to have on the back of our jerseys, tradition, spirit and honor and name, the individual names was going to go away. The team revolted in about five seconds and and it went just viral within a minute. And and all of a sudden I'm sitting in my office. OK, well, that was a dumb decision. And so I called the team meeting uh, like, I don't know, within an hour or within a couple hours. It was the same day. And I, I said something like, I don't remember, Kyle might remember. And I just said, man, no, that was pretty dumb what I did. And and I tried to own it the best I could. I don't remember the words I used. But this is one of my favorite Kyle Van Oy moments, for real. Um, besides all the games that um, he helped us win and take over, right? Kyle is, is a player that can take over a game. There aren't many, but just through play. But he said something, and he's kind of bailing me out. I don't know if that was his intent, but it did. And so I've always been appreciative. He said, what if we do it for a game? What if there's a game we pick? Which was like, at that point, I would have taken anything, right? It was like, just, you know, I, I need this situation resolved. And and so he was sitting, like I was looking at the team and he's sitting to my front right, um, about, I don't know, three or four rows in. Three rows. Said, yeah. So you don't have to be a captain to have influence, nor do you have to have a title to have influence. But anyway, I remember Kyle saying, yeah. What if like he was providing a solution, right? What if we do that for a game, which we ended up doing, which um, was, but that whole, that whole conversation ended up, um, I think expressing and exposing frustration on both sides with the possibility to then meet somewhere collectively that would actually move the team forward. So do you remember any of that, Kyle? I, yeah, I, 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 I totally forgot about that whole thing until you you brought it to my attention. But I, I do I do remember. I do remember there was it was a big thing, oh. it was a big ordeal, and <laughs> both sides were mad at each other. And I think it ended up working out both sides and moved on. And I don't think anybody really remembers yeah. remembers it, but I do remember uh, now that you brought it up, it was, it was, it was cool to be able to have a coach uh, basically come out and say, you know, I'm sorry for putting you guys into this situation. Is there something we can do? Not many coaches are going to do that. Most are going to be like a dictatorship almost like, um, hey, this is what we're doing and that's it. And you know, let's not get get it twisted. My guy, my guy did that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, but, but he was humble <laughs> into making this a democracy and you know talking it out and working it out on both sides. And I I respect that. Anybody that can come and 
apologize to a group of young men or be open to conversation like that, to know when they're wrong, to be able to talk about that and work through that. I, I respect that because that's something I would do too. So and it's kind of just when you started to talk about the role that you have now. Um, yeah. I, with nine years experience and all the things that you've seen in four different organizations with the credibility of how you've played and two Super Bowls, right? There, there's a, a resume of trust that's built, maybe not even trust, credibility that's built. Credibilities might be first, trust comes after that. And so like, whether you're with the Chargers, which why would they be dumb for the, for you not to be with them, just if the case they're listening, um, but right where, wherever that you are, right, the, um, there would be significant value added. Like if I'm um, in the selection process and the GM and saying, OK, I would be looking at the physical and the ability component first, which it's a business. I'd be looking immediately after what else, what other value is added and where you are now. Yeah, there's there's huge potential value there, which. Man, based on the organization and the team and the stage they're in, you know that 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 that's a powerful place to be. Which I don't know, Kyle. For you, like now as a dad and a husband, what what matters most to me is the impact, not for the personal recognition, but to see others kind of like, yeah, there they go, and that was a good decision, or that was a good game, or that was like to see others that you might have helped, right? At some level, that doesn't mean you're responsible for, but you might have helped. That's a pretty cool feeling when you've mentored somebody, whether it's a younger player or man, wait till your kids get bigger. Right. Then it's like, wow, that's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I totally know what you're talking about, because it's cool to um, see guys that are beneath or not beneath me, but they are playing in the league that went to the same school or different schools that. Like, for example, Fred Warner, I mean, yeah. that, that he's like my little brother now. Um, but to see somebody who went to the school kind of because I went to this school and we had a relationship um, do well at this school. But not only that, but he's played way better than I have in the league um, and has blossomed into arguably you could say when the time he's done, he could be a Hall of Fame player. Like to me, that that excites me and gets me so excited because, you know, you had somewhat of an impact on him, whether it was small, big, doesn't matter. It's just knowing that you had a little small impact to see him succeed like he has or someone like Michael Davis, who I've been a teammate of and see him blossom into a cornerback um, one this year was awesome. You know, guys like Siona Taki Taki, guys like Harvey, Harvey Laney. I mean, the list goes on. It's really cool to have these guys uh, turn into men themselves and have a little small impact and see the success they're having. Um, and then also, you know, being able to call you or text you saying, hey, appreciate you, like da-da-da-da-da. That, that to me is awesome. And I can't wait to see my son hopefully do that. Hopefully, uh, you know, if he does play, I'm, I'm not one of those parents where it's like, oh, my kid's not going to play. If that's what he wants to do, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to stop him. So <laughs> I hope he, I hope he's the next Tiger Woods, but <laughs> uh, if so, he wants to play football, he wants to play football. 
you know, uh, the the names that Kyle crap. I started like crying. I I I'm I don't I'm all emotional now that I'm older, Kyle. I don't know what's happened to yeah, me. Like, yeah. there's, there's a like there's a little soft part, but so those names, Brian, that Kyle is mentioning. Wow, were those amazing players and really good defensive football played at BYU at that time and really good players and a really strong culture and mindset that, yeah, um, I was a little more dictatorial then and I'm learning, right? But man, yeah. they're, how hard these guys played, but who they were as people, but man, the talent. Yeah. And, and to see them go on and Michael Davis, I'm going to tell just a quick Michael Davis story, Brian, before you can bring us back to whatever we're supposed to talk about today. Um, but Michael Davis, I remember I'm the head coach at BYU and it's our football camp time. And there was a time in our, our um, my head coaching career, where I wouldn't offer a scholarship unless I saw a player at camp. And and because we, we had leverage, we were doing well. And yeah, uh, I wanted to see tryouts, basically. And so I, um, there's this main road coming down Provo and I see this kid walking. He's holding his cleats and a football and he has a backpack on. Um, African-American young man walking down the, this main street in Provo with that. And I remember driving by and I said, okay, that we'll see. You know, I just was thinking that to myself, but he was tall and really skinny and lean. And, and so anyway, our, our staff watches him and super fast. He was second in California in hundred meters at 10, five going into his senior year. And our receivers coach, he wanted to play receiver and our receivers coach at the time didn't want him. It, again, I'm the head coach, right? So I can choose what I want, but I like to listen first. <laughs> and so our receivers coach said, nah, he's not a natural uh, um, hand catcher. He catches with his body and gave me this whole thing. And I said, do you, do you have anyone that you've played against or on this team or in our league that's as fast as him? And he said, no. And I said, is there anyone as tall and as fast as him? And he said, no. And I said, we're taking him. And so <laughs> thanks for your report, but... Michael Davis is coming to you uh, to BYU. And um, but the whole time I'm thinking this guy is going to be an NFL corner. So even though I was hearing this other report. Right. And yeah, I was kind of giving the power card a little bit head coach thing. You know, there's an educational moment. But I was thinking the whole time. Who's going to run past him? Nobody. Who's going to get off the line with these long levers? No one. Um, how well can he tackle? Really doesn't matter a field corner that can cover. And sure enough, Kyle's teammate now, and he's still playing. <laughs> I was like, it's so cool. And I remember being in his home, just his mom and him. And it was just like, wow. wow uh, what a, it's just fun to see. Yeah. And I, let me, uh, let me talk about one thing before. Sorry, Brian, that you, he's you know, <laughs> something that, um, Guys that I, I've played with, uh, you'll like this, Brandon o uh, Ogletree. Uh, <laughs> we're we're name-dropping now. Um, I still talk to him, Daniel Sorensen, Jordan Pendleton. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so many guys that we still talk to. Something that we all still talk about to this day is the great, great T-shirt. And what's that? what that means to us. Mm. Um, it gives me chills thinking about it because um, – sacrificed a lot to get that and um sorry kind of get emotional just because you went through a lot to get to that t-shirt and um sacrificed a lot um did everything you could to get on a football field to wear that t-shirt and 
he's smiling right now because he knows exactly what he did to get that T-shirt and what he what he established for the great T-shirt. And, you know, we're friends to this day because of it. And it means a lot to me. Um, we don't I, I don't ever need to talk about what it is because that's going to stay within that room. But you'll see guys that played what well, it would have been 2011, 12, and 13 to all have a great T-shirt underneath their jersey. Just know if you wear one of those, you're a pit bull. <laughs> you, had to, you had to go through a lot to get one of those things. And there's guys like Ziggy Ansah who he was, what, top five pick of the draft. He almost didn't want one of those, but we watched him suffer like the rest of us to get one of those things. That's how special it was. So I just wanted to say I appreciate that great T-shirt. Uh, there was there was a Brian. I'm going to piggyback off that and then maybe you can jump in. But um, it, it was foundational. Uh, I'm going to add two parts to it. When I chose to leave BYU and go to Virginia, um, the players were just issued a white T-shirt and white shorts, and they got a Sharpie to write their name on it until they met criteria to earn something else. And so here's this world of college football where guys are showing up, and there's this chrome visor and these five helmets and this number of stuff, and I'm presenting at a school that hasn't won. Here you get a white t-shirt at that time it was Hanes until Nike intervened. And uh, that was just actually to able to be qualified to practice um, not to get a Jersey number or anything else, just to get to practice. Um, and so uh, Kyle's group of that he just talked about was the foundational part of this idea of earning something, not giving it. And that, fa that foundation. And at one point I, as the head coach at BYU, I was wearing the gray t-shirt and uh, the administration requested that I wear something different. And no, I wasn't gonna wear anything different. Um, and it's hard to explain what that means, um, but it meant, it meant everything because of how hard it was to get one. Um, the unity of guys and the respect that I, the, um, they gained as I watched them earn one of those. And yeah, it really wasn't much about the t-shirt. Uh, but who they became, yeah, that's really fun. It was cool. Yeah. So so this time of year, so for our listeners, the last two weeks we've had senior bowl, we've had general manager, and we've had people talking about like what, what this time of year, the combine and the draft and all that's going to be like. So I would love to just, if you can remember, I don't know, um, <laughs> what, yeah, what it was like, right, as you were coming out of college – and then um, any bowl game or any combine or the process itself, I'd love you just to educate because so many fans and so many people, so many head coaches, right? I've never been through it. Yeah. I would love to just hear what you remember about that whole process and what that was like for you specifically. Yeah. I think, too, the combine has changed over the years. I think when I got into the league, it was a huge part of the evaluation. Like it was – really, really big. And I think now you'll see coaches and GMs not attend because there's so much film. Um, you can't really uh, get 
get someone's personality in a 15 minute interview. And I think so much analytics have came out to where that's kind of changed uh, the combine. But when I was doing the combine, um, there was a drug test or a lot of, let's start from the beginning, a lot of medical you had to do, but I had a pretty good clean sheet. I just had a shoulder injury. So um, they would just check my shoulder. Every doctor, 32 team doctors all yanked on my shoulder uh, in a day span. And I can only imagine those that played at Alabama and now Georgia, they, 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 <laughs> their list of injuries is like going to the dentist of like having 10 cavities, right? They got knee, you know, and you have 10, 32 doctors looking at the knee, however many times yanking on it in all directions just to see if, if it's good. So I was really fortunate that way. Um, I would say another thing that I enjoyed was the meetings. Now, I'll never forget this because they I had about 15 to 20 meetings because teams didn't know if they wanted to put me off the ball or on the ball because I was kind of a tweener in my size, weight, and speed, so they didn't really know where to put me. And so I had a lot of interviews, and I'll never forget I got so comfortable with knowing uh, later on in my interviews, it was like the same tape. It was the Utah tape. It was the Texas tape and another tape. And so I knew all the calls. That's something that I I knew. So I, I'll never forget it was when Rex was coaching the Jets. I sit down and he was like, run me through the play. And I sound like a genius because I've already done it 12 times before. I'm like, we're playing cover six. You know, the safety's doing this rotation down here. I got this, 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 the D-line. We're in this front. You know, everybody, everybody's thing. And he's looking like, yo, this kid's a, a genius. But I kind of finessed it knowing that I've watched this tape now for the hundredth time. Um, and those are the type of interviews. Uh, another interview I had was with the Saints. They kind of hunkered me into the – with uh, one light over and they go over a defensive call and then they give you a piece of paper and then they're like, write down as fast as you can, can while you have all these coaches talking trash to you, you know, trying to distract you and then you got to present it. So just different random things uh, that you got to do. Um, and then after the combine, then there's a little period, but then they do traveling where you travel to different teams and you meet the coaches, the GMs, the position coaches, and they get a better feel for you. And I think those are really, really valuable. That's where you can really separate yourself because you can just show your personality, your knowledge of the game, and just how you are as a human. Um, and I think they take those very, very serious. Just, not just the tape, but I think those individual ones. I know the one in New England, they were really close of drafting me. I did everything with them. And I ended up going there um, because of that relationship I had with everybody in that process. They always knew what type of player I was. And when they got me, they even told me they were like, we were like, if there wasn't for this kid getting in trouble and we didn't have to draft the D lineman, you were the guy that we were going to draft. Um, then ended up trading for me. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened to be in new England. 
So when you were at the combine, um, so many of your teammates and, and guys that I've coached, um, they believe that it's designed to um, to add as much stress as possible as well in a short amount of time, just to see how you'll respond from how early you have to wake up to waiting in lines to when, when you're supposed to go to bed or whatever. And then the interviews, one of your teammates told me that a, a staff just cursed at him the whole time because he knew he was coming from BYU just to see how he'd respond you know, to, to be sworn at all the time. Did yeah. you feel like that was part of the design of, of kind of to impose stress just to see, you talked about the saints part a little bit. Did you think that was part of the design? Yeah, I do think it, it was, I think it's to get everybody in a stressful environment just to see how people are going to react. I mean, anytime you have um, everybody get up at five o'clock in the morning and then do stuff all day and they just want to see how you're going to react who's going to get tired who has the football stamina and that's the one thing i will always put my hat on and i i say it to these days there's no one that's gonna know what the other team's gonna do uh, my my stamina for football is very very high i i will run with the best of them i mean that's the one one of the things why me and Bill Belichick got a well got a, along so well is because both our football staminas were really high and we were able to communicate off that and it was really fun to have someone that had that type of football stamina. I know Brandon Staley, the head coach here, has that type of football stamina as well when it comes down to the X's and O's. Bronco does too. I remember uh, sitting down and asking him how long it took him to like break a game down. I think he said about 15 minutes he could run through a full game, know exactly what was going on. So that's kind of like been my mindset all along of like, okay, how many games can I whip through to see the bigger picture? And then I just feel like it's always kind of been my recipe is, you know, see what they're trying to do and then hunker in, um, during the week, exactly what they're trying to do. So, uh, so there, there is there is a great story. This just hit, this just hit me. I'd forgotten about this, but when yeah. you're talking, there's like the I, the story came to me, and I, I don't remember the exact year or game or anything, but I remember a moment. And this is to, to validate what Kyle's saying. I'll never forget this. I I used to share this with guys that thought they were good defensive players and studied well when I was done with Kyle. And I said, Oh, really? Well, let me tell you this story. And and so. Again, the details, and Kyle, you, you might have to help me. Um, but so I, it might have been for postseason, or it might, I don't remember who we're playing, but we, we run a play. And sometimes I would go stand behind the scout team for a second just like to, to see a play because if, if I thought I could get someone or if he wasn't ready for something, I would just anyway. So, so we, I, we run this play in practice, and, and Kyle jogs by me or walks by me going back to the huddle and says, third quarter, like Boise State. Right hatch, like saying this is this is like in, in practice. This is a play that we ran, like because I'm thinking I might be able to get him, him or others on it, right, to check their preparation. And and so I don't know if he's running by me or walking by me, but he says something to the effect of what quarter it was, what hash it was, what team it was, that the play that we that I thought was going to work against our defense. <laughs> and he was laughing, saying something with the tone of you're gonna have to do better than that like if you thought that was gonna be the one no go back and look and so i don't know if you remember that i remember that and i was just like okay he knows what he's this guy he's ready yeah that's funny (laughs) i i I do remember doing that i don't 
know specifically what game that was, but I do remember doing something like that. That's fine. So, so I, I, I might have pretended I was mad or something, but I, inside I was like, oh, that was so cool what just happened. Like, he's more ready than I'm ready. I was like, okay, this is at least there's two of us. I don't know if anyone else is ready, but at least yeah. Yeah, two of us ready. And, and so then there's this opening play against Utah State one year, and they throw a ball to the flat and he intercepts it for a touchdown. Like he knew what play was coming before they even ran it and then kind of came off the field like, do they not like watch film? Like, yeah. did they? It was like, Keaton, Keaton, Keaton. Yeah. 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 Um, they ran that play, I want to say, four times to start off a game. Yeah. So they came on the same formation. I said, ooh, this is it. <laughs> yeah, they happened to work out that way. It helped us win that game. But it's just cool um, when your preparation. I, I had another play like that in the NFL. Um in 2017 against the Falcons, it, someone posted it on Twitter the other day. And it was so cool to see the play. I haven't seen the play in a while, but you could just see it was a goal line, fourth and one, and they uh, Steve Sarkeesian loved running a fly sweep to Taylor Gabriel where he was 4-3 speed, just raced to the pylon. And I was, I was playing off the ball, and I just read it all the way and, side and it's just so fun when that happens in a game and then when you're on it with other teammates too when you're it's it's special and uh that's one thing i loved about new england is you had a lot of guys like that when i was Mm -hmm. there it's starting to happen in los angeles um a lot of guys just film study just getting obsessed with knowing where these ocs are going uh, with the play, knowing the personnel and the formations and uh, understanding tendencies and all that. It, it's it's fun when you can get a group of guys to buy into that and really, really take away what teams are doing. Well, and what, what Kyle is, it's so much fun, just what he's presenting is, so there's a lot of work that goes into that, right? And so at least in college, the normal meeting time, the normal practice time, to stay within your hours, right? Which there's a, a set amount of hours. That's not. That's you stay not in those hours, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so the, the the reality is, it's never enough. Like if, if you want to play well, not just play. If you want to play well, the very best guys, um, and Kyle was and is one, right? They are the ones that uh, between classes sometimes in place of class, which I didn't endorse, but sometimes that happened. Um, they were just always there. I remember Daniel Sorensen, great player, one of the, and man, one of the most physical and uh, just great, one of the most unique, nicest guys off the field. And as soon as you yeah. cross the line, he's just some other guy. It's like, what just happened? And then he step off and, you know, he's the elders quorum president. And it's just like, what, what is happening with this guy? I've never seen that kind of, Swing, but he I'll swing. tell you a funny story about him, though. Uh, yeah, awesome guy. I was at the Salt Lake Airport seeing family, and all of a sudden, this police officer is like about to like write a ticket to a lady, and all of a sudden, I hear this guy, "Hey, don't talk to my wife like that." He's like walking with two kids. He's got bags everywhere. He's yelling at this police. Uh, officer about to write his wife a ticket. I come out of nowhere and tackle him with his bags just to say hi. 
And he's like flustered, like, who just tackled me? He's like, oh, you know, it was, it was uh, really, we ended up talking to the police guy, like, hey, you know, guy's just trying to get his kids and his wife all organized, bro. Like, just let him off. He just got off a flight. But it was just a funny encounter with Daniel, just because he's a stern guy when he needs to be, but then he's so soft spoken, um, best dad ever. Uh, off the field. Every day of his senior year, he showed up at the BYU football offices, Tupperware, chicken breast, rice, broccoli, his water jug, and to, to watch additional film. Like every day, it was almost like he was on coaching hours other than going to class. So the football office was his office. So he's eating really clean, same thing every day, but the amount of hours he was spending to become and make plays like what Kyle's talking about, um, and he, he basically learned that from, from the example of his teammates, Kyle, and others. So I, I would love to know quickly, too, um, and this, this isn't like uh, to be negative toward anyone. Four different teams, four different organizations, four different cultures, I'm sure. And yeah. what you're just explaining with New England and, and my, the days I cherish at BYU, those years you mentioned, doesn't mean they all weren't good, but – there, there's yeah. culture. There's certain cultures that develop with certain players and certain teams that come together that are really unique and special and distinct. And so I'd love to just hear maybe just, uh, I don't know, the, the, um, the, the contrast or differences or, or just what it's been like, maybe what it's just been like to, to be part of four different organizations. Yeah. Um, let's start with Detroit. I went in as a rookie with Jim Caldwell. Uh, who I think is a phenomenal coach. I also think he should still be coaching in the NFL. Um, I think he had a great culture, uh, very play, player-driven, uh, almost too player-driven sometimes, but uh, that was what was unique about him. That's the way he wanted it, and uh, it was really good. My rookie year, we ended up going to the playoffs and losing a, in a BS way to Tony Romo. I think he paid the – refs to pick up one of those flags but they got karma the next week with the des bryant catch and blah 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 so um that year was amazing to go into uh, as a rookie to have a culture like that to see what it looks like to see the professionalism to see uh, a coach give the reins to players uh the second year uh it was a little it took a little bit of a hit. We started off one and seven, um, but I think that was more of uh, not replacing the players that left. I think we had three starting D linemen leave, a um, couple other, you know, safety leave offensively. That's a different story, but we started one and seven. But because of the culture, we came back almost. Uh, we were seven and seven at one point because of the culture of not uh, giving up. And we ended up giving a Hail Mary to uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, stupid play call, man. They went five sideline. He didn't think he could get that he could throw it that far for whatever reason. Um, and ended up losing that. Ended up, then the following year I played there. Uh, ended up getting traded. They ended up making the playoffs again, and then he got fired and hasn't been a coach since. But that culture to win, to be in the playoffs two out of the three years, and that culture to 
not give up on a one in seven season is to me is incredible. Yes. Then I went, got traded in New England and man, the culture was already set. Um, and to just jump in and be a guy at the beginning and just sit back and kind of just figure out what I needed to do to play and get on the same page. And, um, you know, it, it was amazing. And then I became one of the guys really fast making plays. And um, that that culture was set for the four years that I was there. And it was amazing, man. Like the players that you play with, I, I still talk to most of them. You know, Chris Long, Rob Ninkovich, Stefan Gilmore, the McCourty twins, uh, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins. I mean, I could go down the list. Those are just off the top of my head. Um, that's on defense and offensively to be cool to be cool with guys like Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, James White, um, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, just so many guys that it was such a tight knit group. We all kind of hung out with each other and, you know, our wives hung out with each other. Our kids uh, that had kids at the time grew up with each other. It was just an awesome thing to be a part of and that's what it took to win two championships but I also joined it they won one in 14 so they already had that culture set and it was awesome to see then I went to Miami where it was kind of a um a show down there <laughs> it was younger I was uh I was the second oldest at the time and I was only 29 I believe um or yeah 29 or 30 uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the the <laughs> eldest statesman uh, who I love. He's awesome. He's an amazing human being. Um, great story. Seven kids, man. He's he's a soccer dad now. <laughs> uh, great. But it was a young group of guys that were trying to just find their way onto a team. And that was just a different culture in itself. Um, they transitioned after that year because uh, I wouldn't say that a culture was ever established there. Um, and that's the problem you're going to start seeing in the NFL because of Sean McVay and Doug Peterson's success of winning a Super Bowl in their second year. Now that is the new wave. Everybody's trying to find that. How can we get that? Nick Sirianni didn't help the case either. Second year, go to the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor, second year, go to the Super Bowl. Those those are exceptions. I really think you need about four to five years to establish your culture, to establish your brand, to really see, okay, this is a fit, this isn't. Um, it's so hard to win in the NFL as well as college football to give somebody two to three years and be like, oh, like, it doesn't work. <laughs> There's so many things that can happen. And um, so I felt like Miami, that – never had a culture, went back to New England. It changed so much in a year because all those guys that I'd mentioned had moved on and we kind of had it a little bit. We had a rookie quarterback. So the culture is still trying to hold on because you have Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater still there. Uh, it's holding on and it's moving in a direction. It also helps that they have an established coach that's been there a very, very, very long time. So they still have somewhat of a culture there. And then here back in Los Angeles, they're building one. Um, now we'll see what the culture is about this year because we lost 
or excuse me, the Chargers lost uh, a tough one. We were up 27 to zip at one point and um, ended up losing that one to Jacksonville, uh, who's building a good culture for themselves. And we're going to see what the culture is made of. I'm excited. I'm excited for the group of guys that are there. I'm excited to see who wants to win that bad because as well as coaches and, and staff above, I want to see what they're going to do, what they're going to provide Justin uh, Herbert, as well as Derwin James, what they're going to do to those franchise players in order to them for them to win. But also those two players to step up. I think Justin Herbert, he should be looking at an MVP season and nothing short. And Derwin James needs to be, the defensive player of the year. That's kind of the mindset I have for them, for those two. And if they don't have that, they're tripping. <laughs> they're, that good, they're that good of players. They can take over games. They could literally start something very special if those two come together and figure it out. You know, one of the things that just is so much fun, uh, my absolute passion has become over time, and you already mentioned the gray T-shirts, culture to me is – is um is the essence of what the game is all about. Yes, there's football stamina. Yes, there's talent. Yes, all to the things we already know, the brutal fact part that has to come together in some way. And and man, the, the places that are able to put that together, the leaders that are able to put that together uh, under whatever circumstances they're in, man, is that a magical thing to not only see from afar, but when you're part of it, um, wow, is that, exceptional and and so i've always believed that culture precedes performance and so kyle might smile but we used to do these things called pursuit drills when i was <laughs> and, oh, and at one point i mean the players hated them and they didn't see any reason to do it and just you know it was kind of just a showdown and sometimes like like the, especially early on i remember counting 138 um, 193, 176, different teams that I've coached, right? They just wouldn't do it right. And so we just kept going. And, you know, for no other reason than just to keep going. And so anyway, um, there, are, there are things that coaches do to establish culture. And uh, it's fascinating to hear the number of times you just said culture with each place because you were defining them, these institutions, not only the players, which you said and, and had a great um, evaluation of and matter of factly what they're and the coaches. Right. There are great coaches that sometimes, man, you end up in places that there's unique challenges. And and for to come back from one and seven, I'm not sure anyone on the planet other than a coach knows how hard that is or a player because, man, losses are hard. And if you're one and seven, the natural tendency is not to keep going. Right. The natural tendency is to write that off and to come back is is exemplary and is uncommon right that's not common and whoever's orchestrated that which comes a lot from the coach but man it's that it's powerful to hear so just to hear your narrative um i'm going to take it back just as we close so when i was the coach at byu i used to do firesides around the country and um so i remember a fireside i i'm ending up in reno nevada um and i'm at the pulpit Right. And, and 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 these are mostly youth firesides. And for our listeners, a fireside is like a devotional where you're talking about faith based things. And, and in that case, I was talking to young people mostly and going from community to community. It certainly it certainly was in relation to where there are good football players in that area, too, even though it was a fireside. Right. I was going to where there were also, um, you know, possible recruiting hotbeds, et cetera, that were local. 
So I'm in Reno, Nevada, and I look out far off to my left now, um, kind of toward the back. And um, and I remember at that point, I'm at the pulpit thinking, yeah, that guy, he's coming to BYU. And, and uh, that was probably not the common thought at that time. I don't remember exactly, um, but to have had the journey that I was lucky to have with Kyle and and right, journeys are journeys. They're not all downhill and smooth and your head's out the window with music playing, right? There's uphill and there are hard things too along the way. Um, but I still consider myself really fortunate uh, that Kyle ends up choosing BYU, um, staying with BYU uh, as as he gets ready to sign and, and, um, and remain and come there and the relationships he's built, the impact that was had there um, not only on the institution, but other players, um, but also coaches, right? There's plenty of Kyle Van Oistoys on my staff, and my staff has been together a long time that have been kind of foundational to our approach. And so, Kyle, just that you'd come on today, it, I'm really thankful. So much fun just to see you. And uh, my takeaway from this is still be- before we were online with everybody, right? Kyle was with his kids at Disneyland, and the kids are little. I'm thinking about that. Like my takeaway is possibly Mickey Mouse ears or pushing a stroller at Disneyland. Like that phase of Kyle Van Vanoy to me is like okay. I was yeah. pushing that stroller for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no Mickey, no Mickey ears though. <laughs> so uh, just really uh, um, the intellect, the knowledge, the success to this point, and just uh, I mean, this is just like. You're you're somewhere in chapter one still of what yeah, an amazing life thanks. would be. So just really, really fun to have you on. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Before we're done, I, I want to tell you one more story. Um, uh, no, this is good. Um, it's funny. We're very we're similar in some ways and different in others, right? And um, something that is similar for viewers that don't know is I would say Bronco and I share loyalty. We're both very loyal um, humans and I'll never forget because uh, it was after I did everything, right? I sat out for a year. I did all of uh, Bronco's requirements. Uh, (laughs) I did everything you could ask for. I ended up my freshman year actually playing. I kind of didn't play very much. I was sitting on the bench, but I'll never forget. I did everything he asked. I remember like it was yesterday. I was just telling this story. September 11, uh, 10 year anniversary at Air Force. I actually looked at the stats. They ran for like 430 yards or 450 on us. It was a bad day at the office for the team. And I remember a player got injured in that game and they put him back out there. They didn't want to put me in there. And so I felt some type of way about it where I finally went into the office and said, you know, I said, Hey Bronco, he presses his button and the door closes. I always thought that was cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've never heard another office with one of those. That was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I'm sitting there, I'm having a, a honest conversation with them. I said, look, like I've sacrificed a year. I've been a 3.0 student. I've done everything, your requirements that you've asked me to do. I was like, I've done extra time 
football, whatever it is, ran as far as I could, rolled as many times as I could to play. Um, and I'm still not playing. And I just feel like, you know, it's it might be my for my best interest to transfer. And he looked at me and he said, I respect what you're saying, but just give me three weeks. And so I would say, I think one more game or another game happened. Um, camp coach Hill ended up uh, quitting on us in the Utah State game. Probably one of my favorite games. It was Travis Wale and Dre Galliott. And it was me out there. We were getting whooped by Bobby Wagner and Robert Turbin. Um, they were putting it on us at Utah State. I think it was, it's the first lost in 30, 20, something crazy. But it was the funnest game because it was us three were kind of blitzing, having the best time. I think we kind of had a comeback in the game. And, you know, Bronco made a tough decision of taking over our defense, and then we did nothing but run the next week. And I ended up playing in that game and starting because he finally said, you earned it. And – I'll never forget, I had three plays in a row against San Diego State. It was um, all it was an NFL caliber offense. I think the two receivers, Ryan Lindo, the quarterback, they all played in the NFL. And there was three consecutive plays in that game where I made every play and kind of came to the sideline, and he was like, and that's why he waited all that time to be able to do that. And the rest is history. I didn't not come off the field after that. So I appreciate you staying loyal and I I will never forget that. It, it's kind of who I am too. I'm loyal to the bone. So I appreciate it. I, I see that. And I'm so thankful in, in Kyle's play starting in San Diego state. Um, after I chose to release the defensive coordinator and take over, um, we won six of the next seven or five of the next six and went to postseason and defensively completely transformed statistically as well as how we played but that was all that build up personal and as a program yeah. um, Kyle like his launch truly then transformed the tra- trajectory of our program at that point a- as a head coach who's then going back to be the defensive coordinator right that was a, a partner I needed at that time and was very lucky so thanks Kyle yeah all right, Brian. That's man. You got more info than you could ever account for today. No, I I, I love it. I, I do want I do want to wonder just a little bit, Kyle. We were talking about Disneyland earlier. Is it more difficult to play against Patrick Mahomes or, or take the kids to Disneyland? <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. If you have the right game plan, I think uh, <laughs> Disneyland might be a little bit easier, but they're still tough depending <laughs> on the crowds. I would say uh, so. It's kind of like hit or miss. Uh, that, that, that's a good answer, but uh, you know, best of luck in, in, in the rest of your career. I mean, you, you had a phenomenal one. We wouldn't even get into talking about some of those those games you played, especially in the Super Bowls. But uh, we'll have to ha- have you back on uh, again down the road. Uh, best of luck, Kyle, and, and thanks you. Thank you so much for joining us here on Head Coach You. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the time and effort again. Thanks, Kyle. Awesome.